Welcome to Insight Aviation, helping you to take a look inside the world of captains, aerospace professionals, air traffic controllers, and much more. Learn how they got started, where they are now, and their advice for aspiring aviators. This series is brought to you by Wayman Aviation Academy. Learn to fly with a safe, reliable, professional academy. Located between Miami and Fort Lauderdale in sunny South Florida, USA. Enjoy the training and cosmopolitan life with Wayman's 42 aircraft, six airline partners, and two bases to help you be the captain. Be the captain. Be the captain. Be the captain. Welcome to Wayman Aviation Academy. The thing that sets Wayman apart from other flight schools here, basically the location, fleet size, being able to provide high quality training. They have the resources, they have the fleet, they had everything I was looking for to start my career as a pilot. Wayman is a very airline-oriented operation. The Academy offers complete ab initio flight training programs and courses. Get to know each student because each student is different. Wayman Aviation Academy operates a large fleet of more than 40 airplanes and full motion flight simulators. Here, maintenance is priority number one, and we take pride in what we do. Realizing your dreams at Wayman is within reach. I choose Wayman. I choose Wayman. I choose Wayman. Wayman Aviation Academy, developing the skills and attitudes for safe, successful, and professional pilots around the world. Changing lives through aviation. Welcome everyone to the Inside Aviation Podcast brought to you by Wayman Aviation Academy here in Miami, Florida. Today we're switching up the format. For the last two plus years during the pandemic, this was filmed entirely exclusively on Zoom. And so now we're bringing it here into our main library, our common meeting area here at the Academy at North Perry Airport, where we can be with our students, we can be with our guests, and uh, you know, enjoy the, the knowledge and the stories that I find always comes out of these, uh, these great interviews. And we have a very special guest, which everyone here in the room knows so well. And those of you that are just kind of seeing for the first time will get to meet Mr. Graylin Stitz. He's our dispatch manager, base manager, uh, engineer, pilot, and kind of like everyone's uncle. <laughs> yeah, that's a big <laughs> So, uh, how would you describe yourself? What do you? Well, first of all, I'm happy to be here. Glad to be here. Um, I guess I could start out saying just an all round super nice guy. But, um, no, I try to be, I guess, all things to all people. Okay. Whatever those needs are. Just a little bit about my background. All things to all people. That's pretty big. We try. We try. We don't always accomplish that, but we do try. Uh, just a little about my background, not to bore you too long, but I'm a native Floridian, originally from Melbourne, Florida. I grew up there, did my freshman year, University of Florida. 26,000 students. Decided I didn't like that many students. I transferred to Bethune-Cookman, Welch University now. It was college then. 1,900 students. That's better. Quite the difference, but it was really the best of times. Uh, at Florida, I majored in uh, aeronautical engineering, but when I transferred, I just changed my major to mathematics. I had a plan. I always looked and was fascinated by airplanes and flying and things of that nature. So I had a plan. Go to college, get the right degree, go to the Air Force, spend your time there, then go to Eastern Airlines. Yeah. That was the plan. That's the plan. plan A. Plan A. Uh, life has its uh, turns and whatnot. Uh, it was a good turn. Uh, one thing that I did not have, and that's part of the discussion and part of why I do what I do now, I did not have anyone pushing me towards aviation. Aviation was not something that was uh, uh, common 
in yeah. my community and whatnot. So uh, my mother was one who would push me towards uh, something that's safe, corporate life, engineer, and whatnot. When I graduated college, I literally had the Navy on the phone, and I had a letter from where I started my career, Southern Bell, which became Bell South, which became AT&T. So it was one of these things right here. And those that influenced me pushed me towards the safer career. Uh, so I wound up with uh, actually retiring from AT&T many years later. Uh, no regrets there. It was a very uh, nice career. No regrets there. But the flying bug never left. It's so always it. It bit early on because you chose aeronautical engineering at University of Florida, which became math. But I mean, clearly the interest was there at the beginning. Absolutely. Was it, what was the inspiration? Were you near an air, were you near the Space Coast? Is that part of it? Well, there's a space center there, but there's also an Air Force base, the Patrick Air Force Base. Yeah. But even before I got to the age where I could visit the Air Force Base, my great-grandmother would always say I was fascinated when planes flew overhead. Uh, when I got my driver's license, I would go up to the Air Force Base Things were different then. You could actually drive onto a base without going through a lot of security and things of that nature. I actually had the opportunity to drive up to some aircraft. There's a, an area called the, uh, the transient area okay. where uh, Navy planes, British planes, whatnot, would be passing through, and that's where they would park. So I could drive right up and walk right up and put my hand on this. Of course, you don't want to try that these days, <laughs> but that was the beginning of my fascination. With okay. Amish, always what I wanted to do. And so, like I said, it never left me, even after these oh, 30 years of AT&T and so forth. And after I retired, I guess really the second time, I had an opportunity to come here at Wayman, really to complete my CFI uh, license, uh, which I'm still working on. Wait, you retired the second time? Retired from at and I actually retired from AT&T twice. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> It was one of those things. They made us an early retirement offer, and it was one of those offers you could not refuse. Uh, but uh, later, you know, things got a little boring and whatnot. They asked me to come back, sure, surprisingly, but went back and spent some time there. So I actually retired the second time. Ah. Well, those 30 years have been interesting because so much has changed yes. in the last 30 years. So there's a lot there. Uh, were, was there any flying in the background during that time, pilots? After the first retirement, I was able to get my uh, private pilot license and through the part 61. I received my instrument rating and I got my commercial single. Yes. Didn't have the opportunity to apply it as far as career or whatnot, but that really wasn't the, um, the, the reason for it. It was just a personal goal, something I wanted to. Yeah, to scratch that itch. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. So, so that kind of, that's, that's where we met here uh, so many years ago now. How many years has it been? To the Meritor six or so. Actually, it was at Opalaka. Yes, it was at Opalaka. It was at Opalaka. And uh, I came in for, uh, I believe Frank was here, and we did the CFI ground class and we're at. So, yeah, that was uh, quite some time ago. So, six, seven years ago, the, the intentions of doing your flight instructor certificate and really kind of, uh, I think what we saw was just somebody who was so knowledgeable, had clear leadership, and a real... Um, even more than interest, like a, like a love for helping young people. And maybe that comes from having your own sons. I know you're very proud of that. Very much so. Uh, I do have three sons, but I also reflect on my own experience. 
coming along, and you've heard the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, that sort of thing. I was a, a benefactor of many who helped me along the way to, uh, to achieve the goals I had. And it's really just the opportunity to turn around and give back. Okay. Now, okay. And I was going to save this for my dramatic closing, <laughs> but one of the, I guess, life's lessons that I learned was when you have a goal, don't let anyone talk you out of it, okay. especially yourself. And that's what really happened with me. I really, Navy, Southern Bell, Navy, Southern Bell. The only voices I was hearing was say, take the safer route. Because, of course, an airline career wasn't something that was guaranteed, a military career, dangerous and things of that nature. But when you've got a goal and there's something that you really want to do, don't let anyone talk you out of it, including yourself. And it does take a lot of tenacity in aviation because uh, I think everyone has had that conversation before they get into it. And they said, really, do you want to do that? You know, you could be an engineer, you could be a doctor, you could be an accountant. I can't tell you how many accountants we've had become career changers. This is where we're <laughs> right? But, uh, and you're absolutely right that oftentimes it's yourself. Yes. It's those self-doubts about can we do it? Can you do it? Mm -hmm. Right? So I commend everyone that's in this room or even watching or listening because it is uh, a self-selected few, 1% of the U.S. population, a fraction of that around the world. So... You had that opportunity to first retirement to say, to go for it. Yes. Right? What was that? Had you done any discovery flights before or was it finally like came to it at that point? No, just, you know, I flew commercially, no discovery flights, but the biggest thing was, and we all have that experience, your first solo. Oh, yeah. And I remember it like it was yesterday out of Opelika. I remember not being nervous on that first takeoff, but I did think about it on the second. <laughs> and at that point, you're too busy. There's too much going on. And it's, it, before you know it, it's over, but you never forget it. And that's a feeling that I've always had. You know, none of my, um, well, my oldest son uh, has done some flying, but the other two, they're more into creative arts and whatnot. But it was something I was hoping to be able to pass on, that particular passion. But what, being here, in this environment with these young people from all over, from every walk of life, from every corner of the globe, that's something that gives me satisfaction. So in a sense, I'm living my dream through these young people right here. So every time that bell rings, like we heard a few moments ago, it gives me a, a special thrill just to see that. It is. It's kind of like, uh, well, talk about, you know, You've had one of your three sons start flying, but you've got a couple of hundred kids here that are flying, that are looking up to you for guidance, advice, and sometimes a little discipline. Yeah, as long as you're not looking for my wallet, I'm okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, by the way, that is, uh, I, I'd like to say, I guess it's really, it's a blessing to, to have come full circle from one who received the benefit of people speaking into my life, mentoring, helping, guide, and whatnot. To be in a position where I can now do the guiding at all and learn from uh, uh, someone else's experiences, mistakes, whatnot, and try not to fall in those same uh, potholes and things of that nature. So it's a it's an awesome responsibility, but it's an awesome ride as well. Seeing folks come in in orientation, yeah, green suitcases, not really knowing anything. And then they graduate and they go out the door and now they're off in the airlines and whatnot. And something I always share with them when they graduate, when I look 
in that uh, cockpit, I'm not really looking for a first-class upgrade, but I would like a jump seat. <laughs> so I like the jump seat privilege. <laughs> so it's out there. You're putting it out to the world. Just slipping it out in the world if those jump seats happening. So you mentioned, I think, a super important word, which is mentorship. Right? It's one of our waypoints. We're always trying to help those coming up behind us. And I think pilots in general are a very generous bunch, helping those that are coming in up at, up the ladder. But somebody asked me a really interesting question, uh, which I had to think about, was the difference between coaching and mentorship, right? And oftentimes they're used interchangeably, like they're the same thing. But I came to realize they're quite different. They're quite different. I don't know if you have any thoughts. Um, do you ever coach like a little league or anything versus the kind of mentorship you're doing now? And I have coached little league basketball, but um, never really played it, but I'd be coaching. And I think to me that might be the difference right there. From a mentorship standpoint, you're more invested in who you're mentored. There's some skin in the game. It's uh, more than just um, do this, do this, and do this. We're really trying to develop, to cultivate, to guide in that sense. Coaches do some of that, but I think a mentor goes to a deeper level in that regard. It's really giving of yourself and really expecting nothing in return, but just to see you. Uh, be successful. That's very much so, right? It's, it's, it's a, that's the reward in and of itself. Uh, there's, I think it has a lot to do with the timeline. I forget who said the quote right now, but uh, the person who plants an acorn, never expecting to sit under his leaves, finally understands the meaning of life, right? You're doing something beyond yourself. Yes. Coaching is very short term. Yes. You know, your instructors right now are coaching you towards passing your check ride, towards this maneuver. It's a little bit more short term. Uh, the mentorship happens you know, far outside of the cockpit sometimes. It's just like, you know, are you looking at airlines? You know, where would you like, where would you see yourself? It's that text message on a Sunday afternoon, like, hey, I've got two offers and I'm not sure which way to go. Exactly. Right? And those are rewarding. Those are the kind of calls that I appreciate taking on a Sunday. I'll share something with you. Um, earlier this week, um, in our local, in our internal group chats and whatnot, I posted up about Lewis Freeman, who was the first black pilot at yeah. South Airlines. And we also posted it up, I think, one of our groups that some of our outside uh, people participate in. And there was a response that, you know, even though he's retired, he's still mentoring senior captains at Southwest. Wow. Now, he became the first black uh, pilot, but he was also the first black Czech airman. He was a chief pilot at Southwest. So, sure, you're going to mentor while you're in the job, but even after he's retired to this day, uh, he's mentoring captains now. And so I think that was a nice testament that, like you just said, it's not a short term. It just goes on in something that becomes a part of you, something that you love to do. So uh, for those of you that are here or watching or listening, uh, I always like to think, you know, the mentorship, I could think back in the 20 years of higher education that I had, only had two professors that ever made a significant impact on me. And so for those of you that are still at the beginning of your training, beginning of your career, Mentorship is rarely formal. It's rarely like, will you be my mentor? <laughs> right? It's a, it, it's a, it's a budding uh, friendship. And so your mentor might be your parents. It might be someone who the first person said, hey, you can do this. You can make a career out of this. I'd encourage everyone to send them a text tonight. Like, hey, just want to let you know. I just, you know, just passed my double-eyed check ride, my, my solo, you know, and let them know what you're doing. You mentioned Captain Freeman, and it is Black History Month. Yes. And uh, you've kind of, been educating us a little bit on individuals like him, but you also had some family connection to aviation. That's a good point. That's very true. And 
later years, I guess I, I found that my stepfather is actually one of nine siblings total. One of nine siblings, uh, seven of which are male. Well, each one of them served in the military. Uh, we're going back probably World War II, Korea, and wow. whatnot. But they all served in the military. Well, one of those brothers, and I believe his name was uh, Charles Bailey, I found out was actually the first black fighter pilot from the state of Florida. Charles Bailey, wow. Yes. He's also one of the Tuskegee Airmen. He flew 133 missions. I forget how many kills he had, if you will. And what's significant about that, in addition to the numbers right there, we fly into that airport. That's Punta Gorda, Papa Golf uh, Delta. And we often fly in there where there's a terminal. The terminal building is called the Bailey Terminal. That was named in honor of the Bailey family and these seven brothers and all served in the military. So that's one aspect of history. Uh, but something else, and, you know, this is just me. I like to say that what we do here every day is create black history. We create Asian history. We create history every day here. Every time that bell rings and we add to uh, the flight deck, if you will, we are creating history here. So that's why it gives me so much fulfillment to come in every day. It's not a job. It's something that I really enjoy doing because I see the results. And the results are right here, represented in this room right here. You're absolutely right. We were having a discussion, might have been dealing with this week or last week, about how there's a industry to, to increase diversity. More women in aviation, more minorities. And United made a point of making something like 50% of their cadets uh, from minorities. And we take a look around and we are diverse by default. You know, we don't really have a choice. We're a reflection of our community, mm -hmm. uh, South Florida, which is incredibly diverse. Big melting pot. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't like the word melting pot. Yeah. We're not a melting pot. We're a mosaic. That's everyone's like very Brazilian, very Indian, very Israeli, very Russian, very Colombian. We're all smashed together. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I often say that uh, representation matters. Here's a quick story here. Uh, my family and I were going up to D.C. This was many years ago. My oldest son was probably about five or six. And uh, flying out of Miami International, Eastern Airlines. And, of course, I was on time with the rest of my family. Well, you know how that goes. So when we're at the airport and whenever you're running late, of course, your flight is going to be the last concourse, yeah. the last gate. How many concourses? Has to be. So we're really just going through the airport, going through the airport. And I noticed standing against the wall was a black pilot. And it was something I'd never seen before. It was a rare sight. So check the watch. We got a couple of minutes. So we stopped. I introduced my son to this gentleman. And he talked a few minutes with us because then you could smoke in the airport. He had this smoke break and whatnot. But he talked with us for a few minutes. And then it turned out he was our first officer on the flight up to D.C., so while boarding the flight, uh, waiting in the aisle, trying to get to our seat and whatnot, he stepped out of the cockpit and he handed me a brochure. That was my introduction to Obat. Oh, great. He was uh, Benjamin Thomas, Ben Thomas, one of the founders oh, wow. of Obat. And it started a, a friendship. Over the years, I would get calls early in the morning. Hey, can you get down here to MIA? I've got some sim time here. Wow. I actually sat in a couple of little sims uh, with them, but uh, it was just the beginning of what we're talking about, mentorship. 
because that's the mission of OBAP. It's a great organization. Outstanding organization. For those of you that don't know, can you tell us what OBAP is? Sure. It started out being the organization of black airline pilots, but the name has changed over the years to be more um, expansive, inclusive, if you will. It's the organization of black aerospace professionals. And it's really a mentoring organization uh, to increase the numbers of uh, uh, people of color in the cockpit on the flight levels and whatnot. So it's something I've been a part of off and on over the years, but really uh, the mission is something that I embrace. And that's really part of how I approach mentorship here. Now, OBAP really goes out of its way, uh, not just to provide mentorship, but to really kind of reach out and inspire, particularly kids. They do the yes. camp. Camp remember Kathleen Myers from JetBlue where he brings kids into the building and they fly them and they spend the day here and they go to Miami International and the tower and just see the possibilities. And, uh, and they do that around the country. Yes. It's a large organization now. You know, it's, it's very difficult to dream if you haven't been exposed to something. Sure. So when you expose a young mind, a young child to something, now the wheels can start turning. You're planting those seeds. And different people come along that particular journey to, to water those seeds, to fertilize those seeds, and we'll see what you get years from now. But no, it's a great organization, and uh, that's uh, that's something that I was very pleased with to have had that experience. It has been really interesting. And I, I want to say they had quite a good relationship with the ski gearmen as well. Yes. Right? Yes. I remember seeing a gentleman with the red jackets when I first kind of got into aviation, like giving giving the talk and... Uh, there's fewer and fewer Tuskegee Airmen now. Of course, it's been so long since the, war, since the initial war. Now it's almost more of a like an honorary organization, like they're inducting I think so. airmen. Things previously, yeah. Uh, but there's also a lot of other organizations like this. There's the 99s and Women in Aviation for Women. There's uh, the Latino Pots Association. There's the Pacific Asian Pilots Association now for those of you that are from Asia Pacific. So there's a lot of good organizations just making that effort because it has been, you know, we've, we've been such a small minority. Women are only 7% of uh, the airline population. And I'm not sure, you know, where are the minority standard numbers? Maybe the NOVAT member you know better. I know it's just a huge effort to get that more equalized. And it's interesting because the airlines are a meritocracy. They, they really are. I got this from one of the, Christine Ruber, one of the American Airlines captains. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, female, male, the pay rate is standardized on your equipment, your seniority, and that's it. There's no, the unions are very clear about that. It doesn't matter who, what, or where you are. Like, it's based on the numbers. Yeah. So it's pretty fair in that regard. Turning now towards towards where we are, I'm sure the students probably would like to know a little bit more about Just maybe think about your questions as we kind of go this way. Your role here has grown so much, right? From, from being a dispatch and the helping people come in and out of the aircraft to being in charge of that department, to being in charge of basically the campus now, which has grown to five buildings. I have to say, yeah, that's quite a bit of responsibility, but it comes down to the students. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. That's why we do what we do. It's for the students. In any organization, there's structure. As we grow, there has to be um, direction. That's something that I appreciate so much with management that has the foresight to be ahead of the curve, head of the power curve, if you tick, uh, to, to help guide us where 
we can make an impact in this particular industry as we're going on. The industry is going through a lot of ebbs and flows, whatnot, but right now it's a, it's a booming time. It's a booming time. And I believe it can also be a bit more challenging to manage in the growth period as in the yeah. decline. And I think we've done a great job of that. We have a great team. Because you mentioned the word diversity. This is an organization that I think is the truest definition of diversity from management to students. Everyone is from everywhere. Yeah. And it works. We make it, it work. Works. So um, that's, a, that's one of the things that I really like about here. You never know what each day might it be. There. there are challenges there. But uh, that's what we get up for in the morning. There's a challenge. There's a Kumbaya moment there. Yes, the diversity of it all uh, kind of coming together. So the mission, the vision, I, can't, I found out that our mission is bachelor's abbreviation. That it's actually our vision. Okay. It turns out the mission is the second line about through safety and professional knowledge. So the vision is changing lives through aviation. And I think that's, that is why we do what we do. Right, change us aviation. I think you've been very impactful. All the lives you've changed in the last six, seven years, um, and every single day, students, instructors stump me with interesting questions. Of course. So I'm kind of curious if anyone out there has some questions you'd like to know about Mr. Grayling. An interesting flight, favorite this. Well, I'll throw you an easy one, right? So you're now a commercially rated pilot. Have you had a favorite flight or favorite destination? Hilton Head. Ooh, that's kind of pretty. Yeah. Hilton Head actually was, well, before we get to the pretty, let's get to the frightening. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, again, I was fired with my family. Uh, didn't leave exactly on time or anything like that. Going into Hilton Head, it was just after sundown. It gets pretty dark out there on that border. So I had to keep looking over my left shoulder at Savannah just to keep the horizon before going because Hilton Head's an island. And it, uh, it gets very dark there, but it's a beautiful place. The next day, you know, flying around there, it was really nice. And actually, it was sort of the longest cross-country I'd done since I had my private pilot. So it was one of those. Let's go. Cool. Yeah. Let's prove it. I can do it. Questions from our students. What was the first that coffee in Chino? 172. Classic <laughs> Cessna 172. Come on, you'll leave the walk for the two guys talk. <laughs> well, how about this? You know, one of the organizations you've started here within Wayman is, or helped to kind of sponsor and come along, is the Caribbean Pilots Association. Yes, right. Uh, along with you know the students that really kind of they kind of got it going. What do you think is 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 the importance of student organizations? Student organizations. Well, first of all, many of our students are from somewhere else. Check year. In many cases, you may be in another country right now. So it's an opportunity to gather, to find common ground, support, encouragement, in some cases, mentorship and whatnot. So I, I found that it's a sense of belonging in that regard, not just the Caribbean Pilots Association, but we also have our Wayman Angels. We have our student leaders as well. So it's an opportunity to reach out to all of our student body. If I'm, I'm remembering what was our, the event that we had uh, towards the holidays. The multicultural desk. You know, one of our staff members, because uh, Chelsea came up with this idea and said, hey, 
not everybody's going home and things of that nature. Uh, people celebrate the holidays differently and whatnot. And it's like, well, great. And I think she called it and introduced a new word to me, the multicultural food fet. I didn't know what a fet was, but nevertheless, I looked it up. Yeah. And um, put legs to it. And it was a wonderful event. And it was just that. Students from Asia, students from the Caribbean, students from Latin America, everyone coming together over food. I mean, what better way to eat? That's way to share your culture is through food. Exactly. Just break bread together. But it turned out to be a really nice, not so much a kumbaya moment, but it was actually a very good experience to come and uh, be together for them. Student support. A lot of uh, activities are organic. Students follow us. Study groups. Just because they're the same class or things of that nature. So we're looking to provide the the total experience. Yes, everybody's here to learn by flying and whatnot, but we want it to be an excellent learning experience, a learning environment. And if we can work together to do that, we'll see each other down the road, like I said, in the cockpit where I'm sitting in the jump seat, observing them work, that sort of thing. You know what occurs to me just now, I think back to my college time, so... We are in the middle of a huge metropolitan area, and a good part of our students, you know, just they're at home, probably even with their parents, and they drive in to, to school, and then probably the other half of our students are, you know, living away from where you're from, right? So at UF and Australia, Bethune-Cookman, you were away from home, yes, right? And so in those kind of college university settings, there's a lot more activities, you know, there's homecoming, there's like parades, there's like yeah. clubs. There are Greek letter organizations, okay. fraternities or whatnot, which I... Became a part of fraternity, came, became a part of the band and, and whatnot. Well, again, oh, I'm gosh, I didn't mean to let that one out. That's not, that question was about the band. <laughs> but though, you're looking to belong. Yeah. Everyone looks to belong. Caribbean Pilots Association, there was a need to belong, again, to support one another in that regard. I expect other organizations, student led organizations, to be birthed as a result of that as well. Absolutely. So, and we can do things together. So that's been a, it's actually been a very positive experience for me. I've enjoyed that. It's a way for people to find a little bit of home here. Yeah. Organization with other like-minded people with similar shared experiences to find a little bit of home. Similar culture. Similar culture. Yes. And we're building a new culture here. We really not sure. Very good. Yeah, very international and diverse culture. Yes. I do like that. So what was your instrument? <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you don't tell anybody, my first instrument was a clarinet. Oh, okay. Wasn't so jazzy. <laughs> it was the clarinet. But when I went off to college uh, at Bethune-Cookman, we didn't march with clarinets at the time. We marched with saxophones. So I switched okay. over to alto sax. But that's been 100 years. <laughs> I think I know still how to hold it. And that's about it. But no, I don't have the embouchure, the lip, if you will, for that. But yeah, I enjoy playing the saxophone. Tell a nice story of what you mean, but not. I was never a dancer. <laughs> and I know the story you're thinking of. Okay. In my high school band, I actually became the drum manager. Oh, wow. And um, I think we were here one night, uh, karaoke, whatever the case was. And for some strange reason, something possessed me to go on YouTube. And I pulled up a video. Yes. Vintage is a nice way of saying in black and white, because it was black and white footage of me leading the high school band. Excellent. 
Yeah. I'm going to do that again, but uh, it did kind of, it kind of dated. <laughs> so you've always been a leader. That's great. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, kind of made me pretty. <laughs> yeah, well, those kind of things kind of pushes you into that, right? And, you know, the famous uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. quote is, if you're going to be, if you're going to march, be the drum major. The drum major. That's great. Right? Like, lead the march. It's very exciting. Yeah. I have a question. So one thing I've always curious about, you seem to be a very calm, very calm person. Always like humorous, always has something nice to say, always smiling. What is your secret? No secret. I just, no, I wouldn't say that, but I just enjoy life. I enjoy being around y'all shoot. Take anything. But I enjoy being around young people. You guys energize me uh, because you have goals. They're attainable. And I watch your progress. More, and that just does something for me. Calm and whatnot. Don't take yourself so serious. I, I often say when we're talking about our system here, ETA, there's just about nothing that you can do to ETA that we can't correct. Pencil has an eraser. You know what? I just don't take it so serious. I'm a nice guy. So I tried to do my instrument like three or four times before I actually added them. When you work in a flight school, it's hard to actually fly. As I probably had four or five attempts at starting my instrument. Then I remember the second one. What was it with Aiden? Remember Aiden Adler from Israel? Yes. Yeah, I want, I, I want to attribute this to him. I was getting very frustrated. And he said, look, you can't control the airspace. You can't control, you know, what gets thrown at you. You can control your reaction. Yes. Right? So the pilot has to control the reaction. And that, that stuck with me in so many other parts of my life. Like, you can't control, you know, your kids where I'm at. You can't control your kids always, but you can't control, you know, the guy that cut you off on the highway. But you can control your reaction. And just to, to follow up on that, I'm sure my family and my kids would say he's not always calm. It wasn't. Kicks it home. With you. <laughs> you grow to that point. And, you know, you see, I've got a couple of gray hairs here. And I think uh, you reach a certain point, a certain stage in life that, you, you recognize what's important. And that, again, it's not that serious. And that's how I live my life. I choose to. It's a choice. There's some people here on staff uh, that shall remain nameless that try to get me out of the <laughs> comfort zone. Work. It's, it's, a, it's a task. It's a, it's a test, really. You do have a great demeanor. I think everyone appreciates it. The calm in the storm. The hurricane coming, he's like, okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, three Black History Month and you being a black pilot yourself, how does that make you feel to know that you have become this three and that you also get to be here every day and, you know, emanate that? Um, good question. Um, I hesitate to say bittersweet, but it is sort of bittersweet. Yes, it's an accomplishment, but the accomplishment came so late that I really couldn't fully capitalize on it. You know, just go travel the world and fly around. But what helps soften that is, again, and I keep coming back to this, is seeing you guys, right? So I'm living through you guys. If I were to call one name, it would be Neil. Okay. Neil was one of my uh, dispatchers. Oh, five years ago or so, five or six years. 
the graduated college football player, all that kind of stuff. Super personality. Um, he and his dad came by who a rare thing. His dad is also a commercial pilot. Now, when I say rare, it's something that's rare in our community to have that legacy right there. It's, it's becoming more prevalent now, but that's rare. So Neil started out, uh, dad, I think this is something I want to do. I walked him around, gave him a tour. Uh, I think he started on a part-time basis, uh, pursuing his, uh, PPL, his private license. Uh, eventually he started working part-time as a dispatcher, but Neil's personality is if you're going to sit in front of me, I'm going to pick and pull every bit of knowledge out of her. So every instructor that sat there, every examiner who came by, he's pulling, pulling information out. Well, today, Neil is flying for United. I think yeah, he's talking five years ago, like zero. Yeah. Today, he's flying triple sevens for United. Very His fun. journey has really been uh, quite remarkable. And that's something that sparks me. That's why I get up in the mornings and come here to do what we do. I think you have capitalized on it. You know, you might have come to your pilot just as late in life, but your impact is, uh, has been dramatic in these last six, seven years. You're, uh, you know, Aristotle was an educator, right? He, I think he did very much other than that. He was really a teacher, right? And look at the impact he's had, right? So um, it's ripples. You've definitely been a, a great ripple in this pond. Um, great question. Thank you. Neil, so proud of Neil out there. He will hopefully be joining us on one of these chats as well soon. We are kind of coming to the end of our time. Do you have any last question? Yes. Uh, during your training, uh, what was the most difficult part? I think time management. You know, I came out of a structured environment uh, at AT&T, but now retired, if you will. I had more time, but being able to manage that and really be able to focus on training. Most of you are 141. It's structured. You're regimented. You just keep moving forward. In a part 61 environment, there's so many other things that could be distractions from training. And I think that was my biggest challenge because again, I'm not just training. I've got a family, I you know the kids, uh, life, things like that are, are pulling on you and you just can't totally shut all of that out and focus on training. That was my biggest challenge. That is a big challenge. Those of you that have the benefit of youth and young and for all intents and purposes, very little responsibility outside of showing up, right, for class. Like, take advantage of that. Now is the time to get your licenses done, to travel the world, to fly the 17, 21-day uh, trips to the other side of the world. Because when you're older like us, and you've got kids and a mortgage and a dog, it's uh, hard to find the time to study. It's very true. <laughs> and everything quiets down. Yeah, you tend to quiet down a bit, huh? To say not off or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Galen, it's been an honor to have you here for this chat and an honor to have you here in the school. <laughs> I think you truly embody um, what we're trying to communicate here. Uh, you know, all those waypoints that we try to develop inside of our students. Uh, you're living them. We're living by example. You certainly are. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. This series is brought to you by Wayman Aviation Academy. Learn to fly with a safe, reliable, professional academy located between Miami and Fort Lauderdale in sunny South Florida, USA. Enjoy the training and cosmopolitan life with Wayman's 42 aircraft, 
six airline partners, and two bases to help you be the captain.